Welcome back to the Knicks Rewind Podcast, everybody. It's been a while. I'm Johnny Curvin. I'm Owen Smith. And re- this past week, there have been some quotes from Kyrie Irving about you know the skepticism surrounding reopening the league, but then some players want to play. Adam Silver and Woj, like they've Woj just tweeted out some like dates. It really sounded like it was happening. Now I'm like kind of on the edge. It still sounds like it's happening. I'm still confident that it's happening. But there are definitely some players out there who are anti um, restarting the league. So we're going to talk about that for a bit. Then we'll talk about some like coaching update for the Knicks for a bit. But uh, most of the show will be talking about what's going on with the league and everything. So follow us on Twitter at Knicks Rewind Pod. Rating five stars on Apple Podcasts is super helpful for Owen and I. And let's get into it. So Kyrie Irving the other day came out and he had some pretty notable quotes, which we'll read in a second, but we're going to start by understanding like his point of view and try to debunk what he's really saying. Obviously, there's a global pandemic going on. America's in maybe the worst place that it's like ever been. Um, Mm -hmm. Racially, the country's a mess. And it's been been worse racially. Well, racially, it's been worse, but obviously, but like as a whole, I mean, yeah, it's, it's a rough, it's a rough spot. As a whole, the country, I think, is in the worst place it's ever been. I, I agree with that. I think there were probably times in the, uh, you know, probably the World War. This is not it. We're not, we're not doing a history lesson. Here. We're, yeah, we're not. All right. All right. But uh, yeah, OK. <laughs> I, no, I know what you're saying. Racially, it's not the worst, but it's pretty bad. It's the worst it's been since, not racially, but like just overall, like since probably the, the World War and the Great Depression. Yeah. Probably that. For sure. Um. So I'll read the first quote that Kyrie Irving said. It came out, a, I think, maybe like six days ago. Um, and then we'll just debunk it and read a couple more after. Quote, I don't support going to Orlando. I'm not with their systematic racism and the bullshit. Something smells a little fishy. Whether we want to admit it or not, we are, tar- we are targeted as black men every day we wake up. Like, when you saw this, what were your initial thoughts? I didn't really know what to think at first i kind of had to like delve into the article and read and kind of formulate my opinion from that i support what Kyrie's doing um and what he's saying i just don't kind of get how going into orlando and not like what that has to do specifically with like i'm not with the systematic racism and the bullshit like i don't get how orlando ties into that i guess that's what I'm confused about that's the- initially when he said fishy I didn't totally know what he said or what, what he meant actually but re- after like listening to podcasts and reading more articles I kind of put together that I think it's about the owners many of the owners yeah. haven't come up and said anything and them going to Orlando will just make them more money well technically all the teams or 2029 20, teams have released statements and kind of said black lives matter um, right, but like it has. I'm just saying, twenty. Yeah, twenty nine. Right, personally, 18. from the owners, like that's just PR. You know, that's like, true. 
Yeah, I mean, that's PR. Yeah, I mean, still, I mean, and 29 teams did what they're supposed to do, and one team didn't. Um, <laughs> Guess what team that was? Team that was team that was. Um, but, like, overall, I think, yeah, I, I, I get that. I mean, the thing about the owners, like, he's, he's kind of saying that they just, because the majority of the league is made up of black men, mm-hmm. you know, and kind of going down and the owners using them to just make money because that's what is that that's why the league is starting up again it's just to continue revenue the, the nba will lose so much money by not putting a season together it's not for the fans it's not for anything like that like it's about money that's why mm-hmm. they're starting up that's the problem in baseball right now i don't know if you're following that at all but they can't get a season started because they don't want to pay the players their full salaries right and that's the huge issue there, but it's all about money in the NBA and they'll because they're going to lose money in baseball. But I, I, I do get what he's saying there. But at the same time, I don't know. The world kind of needs basketball right now. Oh, I mean, as fans, as you know, diehard NBA fans, like we're dying to watch basketball this summer. Have a summer with yep. basketball is like the greatest thing ever. Even if it's there's also no fans, never happened, it's never happened before. Like I've never had like a summer when I can just like watch the playoffs. Like it's cool that we're just jumping right into the playoffs. Basically. I know it's awesome. Yeah. Um, but obviously there's so much else going on in the world. Like this basketball might not be, or probably isn't these players you know, number one, you know, issue or whatever. So I, I mean, like you said, I understand what he said about like not going to Orlando. Um, there's this next quote, which is pretty long, but I'll read it because there's actually a lot to, you know, dissect as an oppressed community. We are on 500 plus years of being systematically targeted, used for our intellectual property slash talent, and also still being cued killed, excuse me, by the very people that are supposed to protect and serve us. We've had enough. We are combating the issues that matter most. We will not accept the racial injustices that continue to be ignored in our communities, and we will not be kept in the dark when it comes to our health and well-being, and we will not ignore the financial motivations slash expectations that have prevented us historically from making sound decisions. So I think there's a lot there, actually. Um, uh, like There is a lot. There. When yeah. these quotes have initially came out, it's interesting because Kyrie Irving said he's not playing like a while ago. I think he said that before everything happened um, yeah. because of injuries. He said something about the injury thing, yeah, and if he's allowed to go and like will he have to sit in this weird little things, yeah. Yeah, so it doesn't. It didn't sound like he was playing anyway, but then he got this, you know, coalition together and they started talking and, you know, he has the support of other guys like um, notably you have – Avery Badley, Mello, Chris Paul, and Dwight Howard, and a few more. I think it was like a group of 50 players. I think I saw that, but uh-huh. don't quote me on that. That said... I felt like I saw like 30, 35. I 35? Was, okay, that probably makes sense. That's my guess. Yeah, okay. Um, and I understand... Like, like I said, like I've been saying, like I understand what he's saying, but he wasn't playing anyway. Mm-hmm. So I was listening... I think... Yeah, go ahead. Yeah. Go ahead. I think... This is kind of what I like about what Kyrie's saying. And as personally, like as a basketball fan, if I don't like it, but I respect it because he's basically saying, look, we have power and he's using that power. Like he's using his voice. He's using because the league is nothing without the players. Like the owners aren't going to run around, you know, on the floor and shoot hoops or whatever. And Kyrie is saying that, look, you know, as black men, the people there have power. You know, they they have a type of power that the owners don't possess and they have the power to stop this thing. And it's a stand against, you know, that same type of systematic racism that exists in this country. I think that's a great point. I think, yeah, yeah, I totally 
Yeah, I didn't really see that when I initially read it, but like, you know, a couple of days after, like reflecting on what he's saying, it's totally just like a power move. Like yeah, saying, like, is. players, we have all the power. Like, and even if it's not a basketball decision, maybe it's not that he wants to be in this Orlando bubble, but maybe he just wants to take a stand against this, like, you know, systematic racism. Like, because this is really combating that. It's showing that a majority yeah. black league, black men league, can stand down to these rich billionaires who are telling them what to do. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And I think it just adds on to the whole player power thing that's been that we've seen a ton in these past few years. Yeah, I think I think that's that's the key in what he's saying, and I think other guys, you know, represent that. And honestly, good for Kyrie for standing up. Um, yeah, um, I want to talk about the bubble really quickly because this has been pretty top, yeah. like a hot topic recently. And this is another reason for a anti bringing back the league. And this is what Kyrie and many other guys, you know, probably don't want to do. And veterans like Chris Paul and Melo. So the bubble is not really clear. So originally the bubble and, you know, we've seen guys on Twitter actually being like, so it's not a bubble. And like Joe Ingles going back and forth with some guy and agreeing with them. Yeah, I saw that. Yeah. Um, so initially they're like, there's going to be this bubble where players have to stay quarantined. They can't leave the resort, um, you know, and stuff like that. But then it came out that. Disney World employees are free to leave, to go home, come back. So it's really not a bubble. You know, it's a bubble within the league, but that's still dangerous. You know, if you're having the employees going back and forth, that is a dangerous move. Bringing in like thousands of more people. Yeah, like, it's absolutely. just like because the trees of like, you know, of people that you quarantine with, like they get bigger and bigger, and especially in Florida and a state state that's reopened, like people are interacting with people every single day. And that's another issue with it is Florida reopened way too quickly. Yeah. And their cases are going like skyrocketing right now. Right. Like it's they're June. having like their highest cases like per per day. And it's just going up every single day. And that's problematic for the league because they might have to shut down again. Um, like why is Disney open? You know, like it's just yeah, like. Yeah, exactly. Like little things like that in the first place, um, but yeah, it, it's complicated also for that reason. It's complicated for a lot of reasons. Um, it'll be interesting to see if they actually pull it off. But with the cases and like the questions about the bubble, and you're putting the players at risk, you're putting like the Popoviches of the world at risk, um, just elderly members of the staffs also. Yeah, and they're everywhere. Like many coaches are over sixty-five, which we'll talk about in a sec. Like what they should do, and those are obviously the people at most risk. But NBA players can't leave the environment without coming back to a 10-day quarantine upon their return to the resort. And that's just not possible considering you have to play and you have to practice every day. So there's just no way that you can leave the resort, which makes sense, obviously, for the safety of everyone. But I doubt many of these guys, you know, like your Mellows, your Chris Pauls, people who have real families are just going to want to stay there and hang out. But I don't think it's going to be a problem with the young guys, the ones that are eager to play, the ones that are eager to make more money, and the ones that don't, you know, have families. I don't think it's going to be a problem with them, but the veterans, like, I, I don't think many of them are going to play because mm-hmm. they just don't want, I don't think they want to go to Orlando. They don't want to risk getting sick, et cetera. So you want yeah. to talk about the coaches? Like, it's been, yeah, we can talk about the coaches. Been unclear. I mean, there's also, yeah, there's also an interesting point for teams who, like, aren't going to win the championship. Exactly. 
you know, like the Blazers of the world, guys like Melo. Like, why would Melo go down to Florida, risk his health to play eight games and probably not make the playoffs? Exactly. No, for sure. And like, if he was a two seed or a one seed or a three seed, it would probably he probably wouldn't have said that he would be exactly. fighting for a championship. Yeah, and that's that's a big reason why LeBron is kind of in the silent group mm-hmm. here and not like standing up to exactly he no he definitely wants to play like it's not yeah. a question that he wants to play he is though he is doing a lot of great work for social justice behind the scenes um which is awesome yeah no i was actually planning to and, uh, talk about that like yeah. lebron really is i tweeted this last night at like 4 a.m lebron really is the goat on and off the court he really is he's a great no he's like a great even just twitter like everything he says is just like spot on in my opinion yeah i know i mean he he built a school in akron for like underprivileged kids like that's all like this like he really is the goat on and off the court and he's like you know the way he stands up to people and the way he standed up to um laura ingram on fox news like is awesome but anyway let's talk about the coaches i wish she could have him on that would be awesome yeah (laughs) that'd be pretty cool one day <laughs> one day one day we'll we'll, we'll get him yeah. on but um so how do you th- they said like which i don't think would work at all that coaches would have to be like in the box or like in a suite up you know like yeah. pretty much how like offensive and def- defensive coordinators are in football i just don't get how that would work that I mean, would not like, work why can't the coach be on the sideline with the players well because you, know. you guys like popovich you know and your at-risk coaches who are over 65, I think like Alvin Gentry is 65, I think. Who are some of the other old coaches in the league that comes to mind other than Pop and Gentry? Pels, uh, I have no idea. Whatever, I, I mean, it doesn't matter. Ogle, I, yeah, I mean, Clippers, I mean, I, I think Doc Rivers is decently, I don't yeah. even think he's that old, I have no idea. Yeah. But like, you have a lot of guys that are over 50. Exactly, um, and that's obviously like... Elite puts them more at risk than these healthy, you know, super athletes. Yeah. Um, um, and it needs to be like a really good testing plan also. Yeah, I think they said that they're going to test every two or three days. Yeah. So that makes sense. That's a good plan. Obviously, testing every day, I think, is a little much because you're also taking tests away from, you know, everyone else, which the NBA is pretty adamant in they saying. Buy, like, if they can buy, because I see they're they're investing in a lot of, like, antibody studies and, like, they, I saw the other day they invested in like a Yale study um, that's trying to make a test kit that kind of gives you like instant results um, based on like it might be saliva or something like that. But basically like a more efficient test mm-hmm. than like a nasal swab. Right. Um, and that would obviously be crucial because they've been really adamant and saying they don't want to take tests away from the yeah. average person. Yeah. Which is good, which makes sense. But I think testing every two to three days makes sense. And I think that that should work and that should help you know, not spread this thing in Orlando. Yeah, exactly. So I guess we'll move on to like the pro NBA restart argument, but just to sum everything up, like Kyrie Irving is the front is the leader in saying he doesn't think it's worth going. It's a distraction from everything going on in the world, whether it's the pandemic or whether it's the racism. And we understand his argument as basketball fans, obviously we want basketball, but he's not wrong. What he's saying is not wrong. No. What yet? Yeah, what he's saying is not wrong at all. He's he's not wrong in any way. I don't think he's crazy at all. Um, I think he has a very fair point. And look, the last thing, I I can't do Instagram anymore because whenever yeah. like someone says something controversial like that, I always go to the comments, 
And it's just yeah. like little kids saying like he's the Karen of basketball. And like this I just can't stand it anymore. Like Instagram is the worst. Like Twitter, I thought Twitter was bad. Instagram is worse. Instagram's worse. Yeah, because Twitter like I Twitter replies can get ugly. They can get ugly, but, but like, at least it's not like little children usually. Every tweet kind of you make shows up on your feed. Uh-huh. Every comment you make does not show up on your Instagram. Feed. Exactly. So in Instagram like, you can kind of say whatever you want. Because you're not nobody's like scrolling like who commented on what post and like cuz you can do that on Instagram but nobody's seeing that. But Twitter like you just go to tweets and replies, you can see like every reply. Exactly. Um the only place that I can go to these days to like not have you know, cancerous replies is Reddit. And some of those are still pretty bad. But anyway, let's talk. Also rough. Yeah. yeah. Pro NBA restart. Many players, like notably LeBron, have been pro returning to play in Orlando. I'm sure that many of the top seeds want to play, which makes sense. We understand that. And I feel like a lot of guys are pro returning to Orlando. Because, yeah, like, I mean, you look at the list of the other of the players. It's like Avery Bradley, Mello, Chris Paul, Dwight Howard. It's a lot of, like, elderly guys it's also a lot of guys who make a lot of money like avery bradley had a big contract and obviously guys like Melo and cp they make a lot of money and 95 percent of the nba doesn't make that kind of money i mean chris paul's making like 40 million dollars a year i mean because dwight howard they've made money like Melo's made money Melo's got his big deal he's worth over 100 million maybe 200 million dollars i don't even know so does dwight howard um so I think that's an interesting point also. Like, these guys are set. Mm-hmm. You know, they don't need the contracts. Totally. And there's this other interesting thing that I saw, which makes a ton of sense. If you think that, you know, you would make more impact in the world racially, um, being out in the protests, being there, that's totally fine. Like, I totally understand that. However, I think, and a lot of other th- people think, that, you know, because the media has an agenda and this will die down, it's already started to die down, Orlando will give all these players platforms to, you know, talk about these racial injustices. Yeah. Like, it's just they will be on national TV and they will have the world watching. Like, I don't, people who don't care about basketball will be watching because they're so desperate. Yeah, I agree. And I think, I think that is more beneficial to the world to talk on you know whether it's espn abc tnt about that stuff than it is to be there i think being there is important but maybe you'll see a twitter video of an nba player being there it'll have like 10k likes and then yeah but you'll have millions of people watching on national tv so that'll give them a big platform you know what do you think what are other reasons you know pro nba restarting I think, yeah, I think the the big platform is part of it. Um, I don't know if it's the biggest part. I think these guys have voices um, that are big, but the microscope is on them if they play in Orlando in a way that it wouldn't be, be before. Um, other reasons to pro pro restart money. That's why. Yeah, exactly. Go back. I mean, that's why, that's why guys want to go back. That's why the owners push to go back because it's profitable for the NBA. I don't even know if it's profitable necessarily like they're gonna lose money regardless but it's much more um well off like it's they're much better off financially with um the league coming back than they are without it just mm-hmm. to lose a playoffs lose all those tv ratings um because the nba is a league that lives online and lives on tv and like that's where they Sickle make all their NBA money. Games, that's where they make their money because you, you fill up 20,000 seats basically per 
82 games, which isn't a crazy amount. I mean, look at baseball. Like baseball's all of baseball's money is, basically yeah, comes is from people going to the games, right? Because it's 162 games and they have stadiums that are like 50,000 capacity. Mm-hmm. Like the NFL is going to come back just fine because all their money comes from TV. Mm-hmm. So the NBA, I think I'd say that's the biggest reason. And they're going to pay the players all their money that they were supposed to get. Um, so that's big. And I'd say, yeah, that's probably the biggest reason guys want to go back. And also, I think guys want to play. No, I you totally know? agree. Like, like Kuzma like tweeted said, the other day. Yeah, he's Kuzma, like, I was just going to say, he's just like, I just want to hoop, you know, like guys want to play again. Um, and guys want to compete for a championship. And, and it's going to be an interesting playoffs because guys get a chance to rest, um, like recuperate. And you're going to definitely see some teams that are really good go into Orlando limp and tired and bored and like not have their full energy. And you're going to see some teams like some upsets in the first round, um, things like that. Like look at Philly to go a long way. Um, I think there's a big chance this will be the most interesting playoffs we've seen in a long time. I think there are going to be a lot of upsets. Yeah, for sure. And do you think the champion will have an asterisk next to their name? Yeah, of course. I think, like, obviously they will, um, just because where the season was played. I think it's a much different scenario than, like, the 99 Spurs um, or the 2012 Heat. Um, Just because you put guys in, like, a totally different setting, you totally throw out home court and all that stuff. Um, Even though home court in the NBA is, like, not a crazy big thing. It's, like, three home games, three away games, whatever. But you throw out all that stuff. I think there should be an asterisk next to their name, but they still won the championship. Like they still were the best basketball. They'll still team. get a banner and a ring, obviously. And they should. And they should. Yeah, yeah totally should. Yeah. Um, I want to talk about Adam Silver real quick. Just like acknowledge that he's the best, uh, best commissioner in sports, at yeah. least American sports. Yeah, Goodell's not not great, but he does not look the worst. The worst guy right now is a baseball guy. What's he, his name? Rob Manfred. Right. I saw I saw like a He's baseball like player tweeted like I saw I, know, I saw that he I think I don't know who which baseball player, but he tweeted like at Adam Silver, like you up question mark. Yeah, yeah. I thought yeah, that was, was pretty funny. Jason Kidness, yeah. Yeah. Um but what he's doing by like giving yeah. players a choice whether they want to play or not, he said you don't have to play, but yeah. you just won't get paid. Which fine, which is fine. And I think that's great. Like it is your job to play. Oh, he's not but there will be no repercussions. You won't get punished. You can. You don't have to play, and that. And I think that's great that guys have this option. It makes sense that they're not getting paid because, you know, I've never had a full time job. I'm still a student, but if I went to my summer job last year, which was a camp counselor, and I went to the uh, director of ca- the camp, and I was like, I don't want to play. I I don't want to uh, be a counselor. There's a lot of things going on in the world. I want to be there. I would probably he get says, shut. Okay. I would probably get shut down. Yeah, he's not. He's not going to like pay you to go. Yeah, you know, you just quit. Right, and I just quit That's and do it. And I don't get paid, and I think the option like taking a leave of absence. And I probably won't get that job again. Right. Yeah. But with these guys, there'll be no repercussions. They'll come back next year, totally fine, no suspensions, and they'll get paid their full value. So I think that's great that he's doing that. I think he's. I, I think he ter- deserves a ton of credit. But yeah, I, I mean, what else? I obviously, as NBA fans, we're dying for the season to restart. You know, that's. I think, I think it's hard for a lot of people to see Kyrie's perspective because of how desperate you know fans are to watch the game. Yeah. So, you know, it, it's it's such a tough situation because th- it could really go both ways. Like this 
playoff. These playoffs could be like a disaster. The whole every, like what, what if like one team gets corona? Yeah, exactly. And it's a disaster. Yeah. And you know, it's, I mean, I think you're going to be pretty successful in guys not getting corona. Um, like I bet they'll be incredibly safe with like how they interact with you know employees and stuff. But but what does the league look like if right? It already got corona? shut down once. Like the league looks. Although, you know, they're having these conversations about restarting. If this happens again where the league gets shut down, it makes the league look really bad. It does make the league look really bad. I think it would be very surprising, like, if something like a, a wrinkle to look at is like, what if you're in the middle of a playoff series and LeBron gets Corona, gives it to AD, who gives it to, like, whatever, the whole Lakers team. Like, what do you do? Do you just, like, postpone the series a week? Mm-hmm. Let the guys get healthy, you know, because for a, for some people, I think for a lot of these guys, you're dealing with like the best athletes in the world who probably have great immune systems and will probably flush the virus out like super quickly. But it's still like a weak thing. Yeah, you no, know? you can't go back it's, out without it's, it's being like pre- a really bad flu. Right. You can't um, go back out without up, being tested yeah. negative. Right. Yeah. Here, I've yeah. got I've got a scenario for you. It's game seven. Lakers, Bucks, whatever. Say Lakers Bucks game seven. Lakers Sixers. <laughs> All right, for your sake, like Lakers Sixers, even though that's not happening. The league finds out, and only the league finds out, and none of the players know. LeBron is asymptomatic, but he has the virus. Do they keep that under do they keep that low and do they play game seven? Yes, they play game seven. <laughs> even if he's asymptomatic and he can give it to yeah. everyone on the court. Because, I mean, for the league, if that gets out, that is, like, literally the definition of terrible PR. Yeah, but but you also, you laughed it off. Like, I don't think it's crazy. Like, that. It's not a crazy thing. It's not a crazy they thing. They find one. to get a test. And if, yeah. what if they have, I mean, they might have to postpone it maybe two weeks. Yeah. But th- that's probably, that's if that probably, happened, that's yeah. what they would do. But th- do you think they would just, do you think they would just keep it on the low and risk giving him giving it to 20 other sweaty dudes. Yeah. The thing is, the virus is really hard. I, that is actually an interesting scenario also, like if a player tests positive, because studies have shown if you're asymptomatic with the virus, like if that's you throughout, not like the five-day incubation period or whatever it is, if you're asymptomatic throughout, it is very, very, very low that you will transfer the virus to anyone. Mm-hmm. So they go. They play. They play game seven in your eyes. I think they do. I, th- I say they I mean, postpone it. I don't. I think they do too. But that's like an interesting scenario to look at. Is like, what if somebody is asymptomatic and has been asymptomatic? Like, and what if like you just shut that? Like, how does that work? Like, what happens to that team? Does that team have to quarantine? Does yeah? And there's so many things that they questions. have to look at. It's like it's kind of crazy how many scenarios can come out of this. Like they should have like a whole branch. On paper, what if, what if, what if, what do they do, what do they do, until they kind of come to like hundreds of conclusions, right? That's a really tough spot to be in, but that's what they're going to have to do if they want to make all this money and resume the league. Anything else you want to add before we just talk for a few minutes about coaching? Not really. I think I I could honestly talk for an hour about all the the questions and like little details that need to be ironed out. Um, And I haven't read the full NBA proposal. I don't think a lot of people have. I just kind of saw the Woj tweet that was like, the NBA is back. You know, and that, that's that's kind of what I've looked into. Um, 
But I think there are a lot of questions and a lot of details that have to be ironed out. But good for them for putting it together and just making it happen. Um, yeah, so, yeah, totally. Um, all right, let's talk about coaching for a bit because there's been some you know chatter coming out recently. There's been some chatter. There's been some good chatter coming out. Yeah, all right, you start this. Well, recently, uh, a couple days ago, um, kind of the next list of interview candidates came out. Um, and it was Tibbs, Atkinson... Mike, and that might be it. I, I I might have to pull up the list. Yeah, um, go for it. Maybe maybe cut I'll I'll, I'll talk for a minute while you pull it up. But my number one choice is still Atkinson. My number one choice is hundred percent Kenny. Yeah, I I think you what could he, watch a team that like runs and guns and shoots threes all the time. And that. a guy who's great player development, who's already been an assistant with New York. I think he's perfect. However, I think yeah, there's a real yeah, argument for Thibodeau. There is a real argument for Thibodeau. I'm kind of warming up to it a tad, too. I have been I think warming there are, up. There's a I've lot I don't warm. like about Thibodeau, but yeah. Like, it could be really fun to have a defensive, gritty coach in New York City. You know, I don't know how warm that would come across with our young core, but if you get that mindset pushed into them at a very young age, I think that could be really beneficial for those guys in the long term. And he's a proven coach. He has a winning record. What he did with Chicago was great, although he did have, you know, an MVP for a while, and he did have Jimmy Butler, and he did have our boy Joakim Noah. But he's a solidified also, coaching vet. Yeah. yeah, I agree. I agree. One one thing to add, another guy that I forgot to list was Woodson. Oh, Woodson. Let's talk about Woodson for a sec. That's any chance? I want to bring him back. He's not. He's not going to get the job, but. Did I you see? A, did I, you see what? Did you listen to the Raymond Felton interview on uh, Knicks Fan TV? He said that Raymond Felton said that he knew exactly how to interact with the players while also showing that he was boss. So right. it's kind of like probably what Fizdale was going after, but he just warmed up to the players too much. I think. I think Woodson, <laughs> he had the best Knicks team of this decade. He did. So and he actually was really, really sick. He's got like totally unfairly blackballed by the league. No, a hundred percent. And I think and I think Mello treated him unfairly. Or I don't know if Mello treated him unfairly, but the circumstance treated him unfairly. I mean, the Knicks had one really, really bad year. And that was a really disastrous year for a lot of reasons. Um a lot of injuries, obviously like JR just being JR and you know, that team was aging anyway. But the year before, I mean, 54 wins. Remember, he came in, was the interim coach, led that team to the playoffs the year before. He actually made the playoffs a bunch with Atlanta. Mm-hmm. No, um, I think he, he I think there. he's a he's really a a dark coach. horse for the job. And I think he totally deserves an interview and it totally deserves a shot. And I think it would be a hell of a lot yeah. of fun to have him come back. Like, he yeah. was a fun coach to watch on that sidelines. You know, like, he kind of always, like, he was like a happy guy. Like I loved when Novak would hit a three and the man would just smile. And it was, it was just kind of cool to see, man. But I think Thibodeau, I think Woodson is the biggest, you know, what if or like biggest dark horse candidate. And it could go either way with him. I think he could either be great or be kind of a disaster. I think Atkinson is going to be the best for, or Thibodeau's the best for you know what you're getting. Right. And Atkinson is the best for development and long term 
which is kind of what the Knicks have been saying they want for so I think long. Adkinson is what is the best for what we have right now. I agree. I think he is the perfect example of what we need um, right now with our group of guys. I'm just worried Thibodeau will run all our guys into the ground. I yeah, think that's playing 40 minutes a night. He's quoted as saying, like, I judge minutes based on, like, the age of my players. So, like... These guys are all in their low 20s. Really, really young team. So, like, Barrett's going to run, like, 40, 45 minutes a night. And he did that a lot this year. And, like, I hated that. I don't know how beneficial that is, really, to development. I think... Yeah, it's it's just not beneficial to... Sometimes guys need to sit back and watch before, like... It'd like be coached the on fire. the sidelines. Like, look, what, look what happened with Kevin Knox. Like you literally like played him like 35 minutes a night his rookie year. Which is like take any shot you want. And he sucked. And his confidence was just shot. Exactly. And, and then he comes terrible. back the next year not playing as many minutes. And he's even worse. Exactly. So I think Atkinson is the best guy going forward. We've been saying we're, like, we're going to take it slow. We're going to build through the young guys. I don't see a better option. I think what he did with shooting threes, fast-paced, and player development shows you everything that you need to know. I agree. I agree. All right. Well. I agree. And then also, I mean, the other bit of news was that there was very strong internal support for Kenny to be the next one. Yeah, and that's good news, obviously, for us. And I think many, I think most Knicks fans, from what I've seen on Twitter, um, want Atkinson. I would be so happy to just that would just be like a little win over the Nets. I know, right? You know, just like because they all love him, like all their fans love him. Uh huh. Because he was awesome there. I mean, what it yeah. like if you the list of guys that started playing under him and became good players, it's crazy. Like There's so long. many. Yeah, it's really long. And obviously, yeah, Nets fans loved him because of the development like, of guys like Lavert, below fifteen. Yeah, like and like Dinwiddie re- reinvigorated his career, and Jared Allen. Dinwiddie was like an absolute nobody, just mm-hmm. like a random guard that goes to Brooklyn and becomes like a Most Improved Player of the Year candidate and like a Six Man of the Year candidate, and like all these things. Like the players he developed, that's why Katie and Kyrie are in Brooklyn. And then he you know? resigned for a very you know, very good deal for the Nets because of the Nets culture and because he wanted to stay there and wanted to play for Kenny Atkinson. Like that man makes what's three years, 24 million, I think. Yeah. Like yeah. that's a really good deal for the, you know, for yeah, 8 million a year. Like that's crazy for a guy who's putting up his numbers. Yeah, I know. But um, I also yeah. think um, one thing to note is like, I don't think he's a bad tactical coach by any means either. I think his philosophy is, you know, common with the modern NBA, um, runs a lot of pick and rolls. Um, and just, as you said, like he rejuvenated a ton of guys and that's what we need right now. You You and I both, we can, yeah, you and I both have a ton of friends who are Nets fans. They really like him. The one thing that they don't like are his rotations. They say his rotations are bad and they really pissed him off. That was really the one thing that pissed him off. So I don't know what he'll do with a completely different roster and how he'll do that, but that's just one thing to note, I guess. I think rotations are frustrating, but at the same time, like he made decisions in Brooklyn like that I really liked in terms of rotations. I think like starting Allen all year over Jordan. This like we know idea. as watching Jordan in um New York, like he he's so washed. Like I, just literally just the laziest player I've like ever seen. 
just stands in the paint and just like walks around and just like tries to swatch shots and like picks up fouls. Like right. He's literally he's literally a poor man's Mitchell Robinson at this point. Yeah. And like I bet Atkinson comes in, Mitch is starting right away. And you give these guys more freedom to do their thing and you put Mitch in a ton of pick and roll situations, he's gonna flourish. Because Mitch was like one of the best. I mean, he had a great year in terms of like field goal percentage, et cetera. He was one of the best role men in the NBA this year. I just think, in terms of efficiency and dunking the, you know, and just like, I think it's also, I don't think yeah. expect we can't have these like great expectations yet for him because of roster construction. Like we need, you know, um, Leon Rose and Perry to do their jobs first and fix the spacing and fix the roster and, you know, get rid of Julius Randle if that's yeah. what it takes. Just, I mean, I saw the other day also that like, we're trying to find a shooting big. I was like, that's awesome. Mm-hmm. I was like, shooting. I was like, yeah, yeah it's also Porzingis. Nice. Like, nice. <laughs> oh, yeah. You, I did. That wasn't the first thing that came to mind, but like, I just thought of that. Yeah. Like, a guy like bad. Christian Wood, like, he's got a good shot. He's a big. Yeah. You know, and a I guy, like yeah. A guy Wood. like, I mean, a guy like Christoph Porzingis. You know? <laughs> yeah. It'd be really cool if we had, like, he would fit perfectly. We still you had him. You know, like, a 7 3 guy who shoots like eight, seven, eight threes a game at like 36, 37%. Like, like, dude, bring how him co- in. like, how cool would that be? Like, let's do it. Just like 20 a game, I mean, injury prone, whatever. But like, yeah, <laughs> we traded him for the worst player in the NBA, <laughs> two late first round picks in cap space that got us. Wayne Ellington. Randall? Come on, baby, let's go. And well, and Wellington. <laughs> Wellington. <laughs> said Wellington. <laughs> Wayne Ellington, man. Um, all right, let's wrap it up. It's been um, longer than our usual episode, but um, I, think we, talk about. I think we had a lot to talk about and. We could obviously talk about this stuff for hours, so we're hoping to do another one of these soon. I reached out to Sam Vecini of The Athletic today. He's the draft expert over there, and he yep. agreed to come on the show for a bit. So that's super exciting. We're going to try to have him on. We're going to try to have him on we this weekend or stuff. early next week. So we're going to talk a lot of draft stuff from an expert and not to now seniors in high school. So let's do it. Anyway, uh, thanks guys for listening. We appreciate it. And. We will see you guys with Sam next time.